morning, everybody. Wednesday, October 25th. You're listening to This Week at VA, the podcast sharing stories from our veterans and telling you about resources you can take advantage of here at VA. A couple weeks ago, we did a special podcast with the Center for Minority Veterans featuring a panel of women veterans that were scheduled to speak at the Women's Veterans Summit uh, in August, but did not get that opportunity when evacuation was called due to Hurricane Harvey. Uh, well, one of those members uh, of that panel could not join us for that podcast. Uh, Melissa Castillo is her name. And so I've brought her on today to tell us about her service in the military and her experience as a woman minority veteran. But before we get there, did you know that VA has a program to help you quit smoking? Uh, I'm a former smoker myself, and I know how difficult it can be to quit, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised when I learned that VA helps uh, helps veterans with that challenge. Now, the, the URL uh, is a bit long, but if you Google VA... Uh, quit smoking or uh, or quit vet or smoking quit vet something like that. Uh, you will the first URL, URL will pop up will be VA's public health smoking page and there's plans to succeed in smoking. There's a hotline you can call. It's one eight five five quit vet. There's links to mobile sites to coaching. Uh, and I've called this hotline. I called the hotline back earlier this year when I first learned about this to see what it was about. And I talked to them and they, they help you set up a plan. They follow up. It's great. So uh, 1-855-QUIT-VET is the hotline. Uh, and if you want to check out the page, just go to, uh, you can go to va.gov and just search uh, quit smoking and it'll uh, it'll pop up. All right, so M- Melissa Castillo is our featured guest today. She was a, like I mentioned, she was a uh, going to be a member of the um, the Women Minority Veterans Panel at the Women's Veterans Summit. Was not able to participate there because of the hurricane. Was not able to participate in the podcast a couple weeks ago um, because she was uh, she was the only participant at the distance. We couldn't accommodate. Uh, but this week uh, we have her on. She's a uh, her. She's uh, the sole guest. She's going to go through the typical questions of why she, you know her experience in the military, her transition. Then she's also going to talk to us about her uh, experience as a uh, woman minority veteran. Enjoy. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. Melissa Castillo, uh, Navy veteran, you were uh, you were going to be a part of the uh, the minority veteran uh, women minority veterans panel that was slated to uh, be um, to, to at the what was it the the women's veterans summit uh, in Houston. Unfortunately, that summit was uh, cut short because of the storm. Uh, but Kayla Williams got a hold of me. She wanted to get that information still out there for uh, for people to hear. Uh, last week, people heard uh, 
uh, three of the members that were on that panel uh, discuss uh, what it's like to be a, a minority veteran and a women vet, uh, a woman veteran. Um, and since you were you were you were at a distance, uh, we couldn't include you. But I wanted to bring you on here uh, to talk about your service as well and get your insight. Uh, but Melissa, we start each uh, interview the the same way. We all have one thing in common, and that's the de- the decision to join the United States military. Can you bring us back to that decision for you? Um, the decision for me to go back and join the military, um, I was in a part of my life that I got bored. I was doing the same thing, you know, going to work um, and just going home, and I didn't see anything within my future. So I decided, hey, why not? Um, why not join the, the, the Navy? Um, and there was a Navy recruiter right by where I worked, so I just walked in there one day, and, you know, next thing you know, uh, two weeks later, they're telling me that I'm shipping out in two weeks to, <laughs> to the Navy. So, uh, and one of the choices why I did the Navy was because, again, I wanted to travel the world. Yeah. So um, I did get to travel the world. Yeah, very cool. You um, uh, so so what what year is that? What year did you join? I joined in uh, '94, February of '94. Okay, and uh, and how long was your service? I only did two years on active duty. I had requested to get out because I became a mom, and um, I didn't have the heart to really leave my daughter. So I went ahead and requested to get out of the service um, because being a mom was more important. Sure, yeah. Um, and you went in as a uh, – man, see, I can't remember what it was. It's a gunner's mate now. What was it when you went in? I, I went in as uh, what they call the torpedoman's mate. There you go. Um, they switched them over later on to Gunner's mate. So I was part of the, the weapons department. Um, I did get stationed in La Maddalena, Italy, um, on a USS Simon Lake, uh, which is the submarine tender. So we were pretty much the supply ships to the submarines. Yeah. I yeah. got, I got, um, I got assigned to the armory of the ship, um, which was fun times. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have a story from your time in that you can share with us? Maybe something that sums up your service, or maybe is like the epitome of your time in. Anything that you like to recall on? Well, the one thing that I mainly recall on is um, we had we we usually the submarines would come and uh, they would be on the side of the ship, and we used to go back and supply the submarines on on whatever they needed. And one day we had two submarines on one side and two submarines on the other side, and then we got word that Greenpeace was coming. Um, At that time, you know, being from South Texas, I really did not know who Greenpeace was. Um, So they briefed us, you know, we got, you know, general quarters, and, you know, we had to man certain stations, but... um, my question, you know, to, again, my, my um, other shipmates was, you know, hey, why, why can't we shoot them? And they're like, no, no, we just have to, you know, hose them down and they can't come to the ship. And that's the only way we could defend ourselves. And, and I learned who Greenpeace was. Prior to that, I did not know who Greenpeace was. Huh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> and it was really interesting because, I mean, they came with their boat and, and, it, and I mean, it was – Interesting, you know. Again, you went. We had to go back and defend ourselves because, yeah, they wanted to come spray paint our ship. But I mean, it wasn't a real threat, you know. Um, right. But still, you know, it, it it was an interesting situation. But like I said, I learned what who Greenpeace was. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, you uh, you already told us your decision to transition out was uh, was becoming a mom. But how how was your transition out? Did you um, did you experience any sort of emotional crisis, or or did it take you a while to find like a renewed purpose? It it did take me a while to find a renewed purpose. Um, but as far as the transition, um, I was lucky, um, and and I guess I was blessed too as far as the transition because my dad was a Vietnam combat veteran. So he had already dealt with the VA. So he took me by the hand and said, okay, go here, go here, go here. And I was going places that I didn't really know what I was doing. However, to have him you know, let me know and help me out um, for quite some time, you know, as far as, you know, getting the benefits or, or, or transitioning. The main thing as far as my transition, it took me a very long time to label myself as a veteran. That's one thing that oh, I sure. did go back and realize. It, yeah. it took me a long time to even recognize myself as a veteran. Yeah. Um, so what uh, – um what vocation do you do you have now? Right now, um, I work as a, a county veteran service officer. Um, I work for Dallas County in Dallas, Texas. So I help veterans, you know, with, with their benefits and with their claims on a daily basis. It's easier for me to to um, label myself as a veteran now compared to how it was ten years ago. Um, but th- that's what I do on a daily basis today: is make sure that you know nobody try to get everybody to go back in, in the system with whatever their daily issues are. Yeah. You know, what, one thing that we know, uh, that we know about women veterans and I, I learned this from, uh, from Kayla, um, is that women veterans oftentimes have, uh, difficulty recognizing themselves as a veteran. Like you mentioned that you, you personally went through that. Um, have you, is that something you've noticed, um, with the veterans that you're working with? Yes. Um, and some of it has to do with culture and ethnicity and, and, and the culture values we were brought up with. You know, the Hispanic culture, you know, we're, we're, we're to be submissive to the men, you know, the male machismo. We're supposed to take care of the household. We're supposed to take care of the kids. So that's mainly what we're supposed to do. And that's, you know, what the old traditions kind of are. However, um, and it gets to be hard. Um, as far as getting the recognition within your own ethnicity to go back and say, oh, by the way, she's a veteran. Usually in certain situations that I've gone to, you know, I go to a veteran's group and they're like, oh, the ladies auxiliary is over there. And my answer is, I'm not here for the ladies auxiliary. I'm a veteran. And we, for female veterans, we tend to, sometimes what I'm seeing is that they are more, uh, benefits coming up for the spouses to where the female spouses are kind of um, taking over what the female veterans should be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Um, you know, we hear stories of uh, women veterans going into you know VA medical centers and uh, you know front staff presuming that they're there in support of their husband. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's you know you know that's a similar uh, similar experience of what you're talking about. Um, you know, this uh, our discussion is going to be talking about the experience of being a uh, female minority veteran. Uh, what is uh, what is your ethnic background? My ethnic background, um, I am Hispanic. Um, I'm originally from Laredo, Texas, which is a border town uh, right by Mexico. Um, 
I was brought um, that the, the culture values that I was brought was very male machismo, which means that the the, the male um, that the females are supposed to be submissive to the males, and you know the females are to stay at home, take care of the household, and take care of the kids. Yeah. Did you um, so with that with that raising? Did, did you? How did that affect your time in the service, having grown up in a household where uh, where those were the gender roles? How did that affect your experience in the military service? Well, maybe because once I was in the military, it was a different experience than what I was dealing at home. So dealing with different people of different backgrounds, you know, it wasn't as hard. But I did find myself fighting within myself to go back and and be acknowledged or or not to come out aggressive or not to um, fight with with my shipmates to go back and get recognized, you know, when they go back and, and tell me something, you know, or um, because it, it, it gets to sometimes you have, I mean, I know that growing up, you know, I had to rebel a lot, you know, uh, because I was supposed to just stay quiet and sit in the corner. Yeah. Um, have you, um, have you seen, what's the question here with some of the experiences that you've had and, and the difficulties that you've seen in being a uh, minority veteran in this space, have you res have you resonated with that with other veterans that you're working with and help? Have you been able to help mentor them into understanding, uh, how to deal with that better in their lives? Um, yes, you know, especially dealing with some of the females that, that come into my office with MST, yeah. you know, going back and, and giving them, you know, the, the, the tools or even speaking with them, you know, to go back and, and give them that little support that they need um, to, to go back and continue with their lives. Um, I mean, and that's one of the hardest things to go back and do is, again, everybody has their own unique story. Uh, and that's what makes us veterans great. Yeah. You, uh, when you, when you decided to join the Navy, was there any pushback from your family to make that decision? No. Um, at that time, my parents were divorced and I was staying with my dad. Uh, my dad raised me really. And my dad, um, he was very supportive. Um, I remember going and telling him and he's like, okay, you know, you joined the Navy. And I was like, I'm going to be gone in two weeks. He's like, okay. Hmm. So, uh, and, and the, funny <laughs> story, the, the funny story about it is when it was time for me to leave and the recruiters came to pick me up that morning at five o'clock in the morning, I mean, they pulled up and my dad was already opening the door telling me to get out of the house. So. <laughs> it's go time. Go, go, go. <laughs> it's go. You know, yeah. so he was very proud that, that I had joined the Navy. Um, he didn't show it much because, again, he was a combat veteran dealing with PTSD. But, um, yeah, he he was very proud, you know. Yeah. Um, you can, sp um, you know, speak on as much of this as you can that, that comes to mind and you feel compelled to talk about. But when it comes to receiving care, when it comes to taking advantage of resources and benefits, when it comes to, um, you know, existing in the veteran space in your community, how has been, how has been, how has being an ethnic woman veteran been a challenge? What challenges have you seen in any of those scenarios uh, for in your specific situation? In my specific situation, um, I, I've had some difficulties. Um, 
you know, as far as getting the women's care, I mean, I remember, you know, going back to what I enrolled in the VA in 96. Um, and I was getting care in South Texas, and then I moved up here to Dallas. In in some of the uh, services provided, I mean, the, the, the VA, again, provides them, but however, because each individual healthcare system has, you know, the, their own unique um, situations, you know, it sometimes gets hard to go back and, and be recognized or when you go back and voice your opinion as far as additional services needing in that area, because again, I am a woman of color, you know, you're letting them know what needs, what, what you're seeing and what, you know, your, your recommendation is. And you know, as to where they're like, you know, they always give you a different answer, but they're not working on the problem to solve the issue. Sure. Um, so that has been a struggle, you know, here that, that I've seen locally and also some of the resources, um, you know, and it depends, again, on, on what area you're in as far as what resources are going to be available and how readily available they are, you know. And, you know, that's another struggle that I know as a single mom that I have come across to where, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you're a veteran, you know, everything's there. And really, it's just qualifying for some of the services and the um and the rules and regulations that organization might have. Yeah. So it, 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 it's a struggle. And, and like I said, because um, a woman and of color, you know, Hispanic, um, it, it, it's a struggle. Sure. What, you know, um, you've been in the VA system for some time now. Uh, maybe give me an example of one thing that you've seen drastically improve when it comes to women's care inside the VA and something that you think uh, still has a long ways to go. Well, women's care still has a long way to, to go because um, the, the care has improved from back in 96 to now because I remember back then they didn't even have a women's clinic. Right. Um, and, and now it's great. Um, but, yeah, it, it needs to improve. Uh, some of the cares, you know, as far as the women's health, you know, I, I like the VA getting my women's health at the VA because, I mean, they're on it, you know, they're like, okay, you need to come in and, and we need to do, you know, this exam. And so you get exams uh, based on your age. And that's one thing that I really appreciate from the VA saying, okay, so you turn 40, now you need a mammogram, you know, and, and they're on that to, to make sure that us women do stay up with our health care and do get the exams that need to be gotten, uh, need to have. Um, but um, as far as having enough services and or enough service providers is one of the main uh, issues that I see within the VA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what is a skill set uh, or talent or discipline, whatever you want to call it, that you learned from the military that you think is contributing to your success where you are now serving veterans? Um, a skill set or a talent. Um, one of the things was when I went into the military, yes, you know, I found a lot more independence, um, and I, had to learn how, you know, mom and dad were not there anymore. I had to go back in and uh, be on my own. Um, so even when I came back out of the military, um, one of the things is that I learned was if I need something, I have to go back and get the information myself. 
um, and to go back and ask questions. And, and that's one thing that I really learned from the military because somebody will say something um, and sometimes, you know, they go off rumors. And that's one thing that they taught me, well, really how to educate myself. Yeah. What, um, is there a, um, is there a, is there a veteran in the veteran space or a veteran organization uh, either near you or, or, or uh, nationwide uh, that you uh, admire, maybe some uh, that really have you excited about what they're doing right now? Well, right now I'm, I'm really excited about the American Legion and Disabled American Veterans that they have the first female national commander. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I know that, again, it, it took a very long time um, for in prime example, I mean, they're, they're fi- we're finally getting recognized as female veterans um, that we served right next to our, our male counterparts. And sometimes, like I said, you know, that, that's very um, – it gets very hard to, to go back and uh, get recognized as that. So I'm excited for, for both of those organizations to have uh, a female veteran running the national organization. Yeah, you know, in in recent uh, sports news, there was a, a quarterback that made a comment that uh, it was funny hearing a you know a, a female talk about a certain aspect of sports. Uh, I imagine that's a similar experience uh, in the military community. Have you ever experienced that where uh, you know you try to talk about your service and, and you try to talk about the military and uh, you sort of you, have you ever been mocked or, or or made fun of being a woman talking about those subjects? Um, yeah, and, and to me, I run into that constantly. Um, even though you know I have been doing my job um, over ten years um, and been in the veteran population with you know in the past fifteen years, um, you know I run into that situation a lot. You know, people will call me, you know, start talking about their benefits, and I'm trying to go back and let them know what they need or you know how they need to get back and handle it. And their whole answer is, "Oh, you don't know what you're doing. You're a female." Hmm. And then I get questioned because, and, and they'll question, oh, were you even in the military? You know, so <laughs> it, it's constant. Uh, and sometimes when we go and do presentation, uh, one thing that I, that I found out, you know, we, we'll go do presentations within the veterans community, and it's me and, and my male and my, my male coworker. So after the meeting, everybody would go to my male coworkers. All the males would go over there, and then all the spouses would come to me. Oh wow! Yes, <laughs> and I've noticed that. So it's like, okay, is it a gender, or is it because females feel comfortable? But um, yeah, and, and that's kind of perceived, and and I run into it on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I only laugh because I, I think that have you ever been in, were you ever in the military question I find to be obnoxious in so many scenarios. And I can only imagine that, uh, that, that probably gets, when, when I get asked that question, I think it's ridiculous. I can only imagine that, uh, you deal with it on a more frequently than I do and probably in more obnoxious situations. So, uh, I applaud you for, t- for tolerating well- that. <laughs> Well, the funny part about it is I have my picture when I was in boot camp right here on my wall. <laughs> yeah, that's me right there. And, 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 it's, and it's like right by me. And, and so they're coming in and they're like, were you in the service? And so I'll just point to it and they're like, oh, you yeah. know. Um, and I've noticed that, yes, that there's been, you know, in, again, the stereotype. 
Yeah, I think you know, you know, to to piggyback on that idea of like, were you, uh, you know, were you ever in, and that that is that is usually, uh, you know, uh, that stems from the person who's asking that question. It stems from their need to be talking to someone who empathizes or is somewhat somewhat relates to their scenario, and I think that where we really are discounting the value that women veterans bring to the veteran community is because we know that is true and because there's unfortunately so many cases of MST, you would think that we would be trying to bring more women veterans and more male veterans that have experienced that, that, uh, that scenario into the veteran space, into these positions where they can serve those veterans that are that are uh, MST survivors, knowing that they're going to be looking for someone who can relate and uh, at least understand a little bit more of where they're coming from. Yes, and 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 um, and and I do understand. You know, the the veterans sitting on the other side. You know how they want somebody to go back and relate and to go back and sympathize yeah. with them. And and again, when, when we're in service, um, I know I've gone to. Um, because I'm a county service officer, um, I know that there are some of them that are not veterans and they're spouses and they had changed the law on that. And so um, hearing some of the spouses saying, oh, well, I served too because my husband served for 20 years. And to me, I got to be kind uh, and play nice with people in the sandbox. You know, sometimes I'll just nod my head, but other times it's to where, you know, I just want to let them know, you know, hey, you are not being screamed at at three o'clock in the morning doing push-ups that is the difference yeah you know you were not going up you know or or our ship was dead in the water for seven hours you know you weren't there you know he might have come home and share that experience with you which is fine but you did not raise your hand saying you know that you're going to go back and serve yeah Let's, um, you know, we, we've we've touched on a lot on um, you know some of the challenges that women veterans have in this space. Is there anything specific to being a Hispanic veteran that you think is a a challenge for those veterans? Um, it, it, I mean, being a Hispanic female veteran, yes, it's a challenge. Um, number one, you're female, and the other one, you're Hispanic. Yeah. Um, and again, the roles and, and our culture beliefs that we were brought up in, I mean, it, it, it gets difficult sometimes in communicating and or trying to go back and advocate. Because sometimes, you know, when I go and I speak about what I know and I'm confident of what I'm speaking or the topic, um, somebody else is going to see that as very aggressive. Hmm. And then they're going to come back and say, well, why did you have to be very aggressive? And it's like, I'm not being aggressive. I'm just confident about my topic. But because I'm a Latina, <laughs> to where I'm seen as aggressive. And it's like, no, I do not. I'm not aggressive. I'm just letting you know what needs to happen or, or what, you know, trying to get my message across. Melissa, I really, I really appreciate you talking to us about your experience as a veteran and being a Hispanic female. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on regarding those topics that you uh, want to make sure we share? No, I think I've shared most of them. Um, you know, the, the, you know, some of the struggles that I know that I had to deal with, you know, being, you know, going into the military, getting out and um, being part of the veteran community and, you know, the challenges that I have seen working within the veteran community and the struggles that I have, I have done um, and tried to go back and, and 
continue, you know, helping female veterans and the Latino veterans. Yeah, absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you on, and thank you for your continued service to veterans. Sure, no problem. Thank you. I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. So as a reminder, the Center for Minority Veterans is a Department of Veterans Affairs model for inter- and intra-agency cooperation to ensure all veterans receive equal services regardless of race, origin, religion, or gender. They are process improvement-oriented in both internal and external customer-centric. They are all about making sure that minority veterans are getting the care that they deserve and that there's no that any challenges or barriers or, or concerns that they're made that that are there are dealt with their url is a little easier to uh to remember it's va.gov slash center for minority veterans that's all one word and i highly suggest you check out that url check out the website they are a uh, very important office here at the department of veterans affairs and doing a lot of great work Today's veteran of the day is Army veteran Philip Iotti. Philip was a member of the Lakota tribe in South Dakota. He enlisted in the Army in 1950 and was sent off to Korea with the 21st Infantry Regiment. Uh, during his service, uh, he um, was captured and was brought to a prisoner of war camp. Uh, he was believed to have passed away after seven months in captivity. In August of this year, Philip's remains were identified, and Philip will be uh, scheduled to be reburied today um, in in South Dakota. We honor Philip's service. To read Philip's full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That does it for another episode of This Week at VA. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know there's a lot of options out there for podcasts, especially in the veteran space. Really appreciate you spending your time here with me, I was be sure to follow us on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more images from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. <laughs>